Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, delighted to have you on board. And we are taking up a really timely and topical subject in just a couple of moments. That new Alzheimer's drug, should it be approved? Was it approved? Does it work? We're going to find out the answers to all of that. Our co-host, Carol Zernial. And as always, Carol, it's great to see you. Well, it's great to see you, Ron. I am I am excited uh, um, about today because we have such a timely topic and we're talking to the right person about the new Alzheimer's drug that we keep seeing in the news. And that person is Michelle Branham, Florida Vice President of Public Policy for the Alzheimer's Association. She currently serves as chair of the Alzheimer's Disease Advisory Committee, ADAC, and was appointed by Governor DeSantis of the state of Florida a guy who is very much in the news. She also serves as co-chair of the State Health Improvement Plan and is also an advisory member of the Florida Department of Elder Affairs State Plan on Aging and the Trust for America's Health Advisory Council. And it is a delight to have you with us, Michelle. Uh, obviously, as Carol mentioned, and we mentioned off the air, tremendous interest and a whole lot of controversy surrounding the FDA's approval of that new drug to treat Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I think um, for the Alzheimer's Association, I mean, I've been with the association almost nine years. I've been waiting for nine years to talk about a drug like aducanumab. Um, So I think it's a reason to celebrate this world of science that we're in. Um, This is the first time ever that there is a drug that has been conditionally approved by the FDA that slows the progression of Alzheimer's. So it's a different class of drug. And uh, before we were treating symptoms at the best that we possibly could through other drugs, but we weren't treating the disease. We used to say there's no prevention, treatment, or cure for Alzheimer's disease. And it's one of the top 10 leading causes of death in, in America. It's the sixth leading cause of death in the nation, sixth leading cause of death in Florida. Um, it didn't have a prevention, treatment, or cure. Uh, What aducanumab brings to the table is a possible treatment option. It's certainly not a cure, but it does treat Alzheimer's by slowing the progression. Um, For me, that's very exciting because it really invigorates the world of science that we're in, in a very, what was a, a long and bleak outlook for a long period of time in the world of Alzheimer's drugs and treatment. So um, I'm hoping that drugs like aducanumab prime the pump um, for future science and and more uh, more drugs and treatments to come. Yeah, so, you know, I, Ron mentioned at the top of the show that I've been doing this for over 25 years. And the amazing thing is that in that entire 25 years, the drugs have been the same drugs. Yes. Nothing, nothing has changed since the very first days, you know, of my career. So you, you talked about the difference between treating the symptoms and treating the disease. So does this mean that this particular drug really works on how the, the health of the brain versus you know, some of the psychiatric problems or, or behavior problems people with Alzheimer's have? 
So it's a great question, Carol. And you're right, since we've been in it and you've been in it a long time, I, we, it feels like it feels my, like my whole lifetime sometimes, but it because um, it's it is a, it's a heavy burden. It's um, it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my career. So I'm, I'm pleased to be here. But I do. I think you're right in the in the fact that um, this particular drug is clearing the sticky amyloid plaque build up in the brain and that clearing of it slows the progression down to give people more time. Um, and, and typically the way that the drug would work is early detection and then early diagnosis. So if we're detecting the disease early on, diagnosing it early on, um, you know, theoretically they could have a drug like um, aducanumab to slow the progression enough to give more quality time to the family and the person living with a disease before you had drugs like Namenda and Aricept, and we had them forever and ever. And um, sometimes they helped for a little bit of time, and sometimes they didn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah now, it's like one of my understandings, uh, and I'm not a scientist. I don't even play one on TV. But one of my understandings with this drug is that it targets uh, the amyloid plaques in the brain uh, and, and reduces their growth and and their impact. And some say, well. That may be true, but we don't really know if that plays a major role in Alzheimer's. Uh, you know, so Ron, it's a good, there, there's controversy around the drug, and I think there's going to be controversy um, like that. And I think there's going to be people that um, don't feel like there's a, there. This is really doing um, the treatment that that. Uh, the FDA feels like it is doing, even with the conditional approval. But I would tell you that um, the people that I've worked with um, that are in the clinical trials, and I do know them personally, a couple of families that I work with a lot um, have been in the clinical trials, have seen significant results and um, have tolerated the drug well. So, so far that that is what I've been hearing. But uh, and I do believe by treating the amyloid plaque, I mean, science has told us that that's really the hallmark of Alzheimer's disease or one of the key hallmarks of Alzheimer's, that treating that and clearing that um, has reduced the symptoms. But, yes, you're right that there's controversy about that. Don't go anywhere. Stay right with us. Sorry, I said reduce the symptoms. I meant slow, uh, slow the progression. Sorry. I want to let folks know who may have just joined us. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 9.30 a.m. The Answer and elsewhere. Delighted to have with us our very special guest uh, who is with the Florida Alzheimer's Association. We're talking about the new drug approved by the FDA for treatment. Michelle Branham is the Florida Vice President of Public Policy for the Alzheimer's Association. And one of the other issues, and I know, Carol, uh, you're well aware of this as well, uh, Michelle, is the cost of this drug, uh, which is enormous. Some say uh, that Medicare... Uh, will be spending enormous amounts of money uh, on uh, the the purchase and use of this drug, and that it's just too expensive. And Ron, I, I hear that. I think as the association will do, uh, we're public policy. We're going to be advocating very heavily for accessibility and affordability. That is too much um, for for a drug to cost, and we know that for the end user. So um, next priority will be eliminating the barriers to get to that drug. So, uh, you know, as an association, we advocated very heavily for research to get to a space where we're at, you know, a position to argue for a drug like, you know, for affordability and accessibility of a, of a drug like aducanumab. But that will be something like fast. 56000 a month or something like that? It's a, I think that's annual. It's an intravenous drug. So you're going to, so I, I believe that's the annual cost. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, and when we, we think about the development of drugs, um, and I'm not saying, you know, one side or the other in, in some of the controversy around the drug, but there is, it's like the two shoe store the philosophy, or if you have a shoe store and you open another shoe store, both shoe stores are going to make money because you, you know, there's some synergy there. So when science identifies something that's a potential breakthrough, just like with the vaccines that we had for COVID, where there's something new, then others are drawn to that invest and they invest too, right? Because competition, everybody loves competition. So, you know, and then that drives down the cost. So there's so many variables that impact the cost of drugs and development of drugs, but it's the fact that there's movement where there's been no movement um, in the past, you know, when, when I, I make it sound like I'm a dinosaur and sometimes I feel that way. You know, when I started, there was no diagnosis for Alzheimer's. It was wait mm-hmm. until they're dead and mm-hmm. then look at their brain and then tell them they had Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. So now at least there's a, there's, and you know, you can do a, a scan and you can identify there's a particular brain scan that says, this is the, what it looks like in the brain when you have Alzheimer's, I don't have to wait till you're dead. Uh, and that's what I get excited is that the science is evolving. We're really not as, it's not as static as it has been. I agree with you, Carol. Uh, now that we're doing PET scans, like you said, where you can diagnose, you can see the Alzheimer's in the person's brain. And when Carol and I did start, that wasn't necessarily the case. I mean, you're right. You re- really couldn't do a positive detection of Alzheimer's until after the person had passed away. So this, and I do believe Carol, as you do too, that science breeds more science. So one success will breed more successes and, um, and, and hopefully to your point, uh, more competition. Well, well now talk you, to me you, a little bit. Go ahead, Ron. I was going to say, you mentioned that you knew a family that was in the trial and mm-hmm. that uh, they had great success. What, what did that success look like? What, what was it that they were seeing? Um, the way that they described it was that um, the person that I know really well uh, is in the trial and her husband was talking to me about that with her. And they were both saying that they felt like her memory had improved, um, that she was able to retain things longer, which they were really excited about. Now, that's just from their perspective. The other thing, too, is he felt that, and to me, more significant um, with a drug like aducanumab was the fact that um, she did not decline over the course of a long period of of time. And he was very meticulous about, you know, looking every day and journaling about her cognition levels from the baseline where she started when she was diagnosed, you know, each month where she was and, and kind of through all of the testing and things that she was doing through the trials, he kept very meticulous notes um, he's an engineer by trade, so that's he's meticulous. So I think that was interesting to me that he felt like he had not seen any reduction in cognition over the course of, you know, almost the year she'd been on the drug, which is significant. It was very significant to them. So I think he was really seeing that as an opportunity um, for success, like a reason to be to celebrate that. Another couple run um, had a similar experience where they just felt like they didn't see any decline in her as well. It's another wife taking the drug and, and husband within the trial monitoring as the care partner um, and had seen um, sort of any any decline sort of plateau off. That's pretty exciting. Now, will they let them continue taking that drug once the trial is over or do they cut them off cold turkey? 
You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I think clinical trials can be really tough like that because you go through a clinical trial, you feel like you see successes. I have been with um, families who feel like they've had tremendous success on a trial and then the trial will get cut. It will fail in phase three or something will happen with the trial and it will be devastating to a family. I don't know um, what they'll do in these particular trials and they're happening all over America. I'm speaking to the ones that I know here um, in Florida, but uh, I, I don't know. Well, when, I know we have to take a break, but when we come back, I, I'm going to hold that thought about that, what's happening in America um, when, as you know, there's a, a worldwide Alzheimer's community. We'll talk more about this as you join us and continue with us here on Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, and our guest, Michelle Branham, is the Florida Vice President of Public Policy for the Alzheimer's Association. Thanks for being with us on Caregiver SOS on air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. We're delighted you're sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. And we were talking on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline from uh, deep in the state of Florida with Michelle Branham. She's the Florida Vice President of Public Policy for the Alzheimer's Association. And I want to share with you that uh, she has earned her bachelor's degree in political science from Stetson University, her master's degree in theological studies and human relations from Emory University, And I might add as a uh, sidebar that our guest last half hour also earned uh, her degree from Stetson University. So suddenly Stetson's getting a lot of visibility here on Caregiver SOS on air. That's right. It's been Florida all day, all Florida, all the time. All Florida, all the time. (laughs) Carol, you were in a... Yeah, I was speaking of geography... you know, there's a, another way that science now works that, that people might might not understand is that we're talking about, you know, drug developed and we talk about the United States. But is the, in the, the rest of the world that also suffers from Alzheimer's, are there scientists, other places looking at this issue and looking at the drugs? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, Florida has we have the Ed and Ethel Moore grant program. And it's a research program that. Uh, champions researchers in Florida for Alzheimer's disease and related dementias and anything from lifestyle interventions all the way to pharma research is at Ed and Ethel Moore. But that's just a tiny sliver of the pie of of, um, a global um, pipeline of research all over the world. And in fact, it's interesting that you said that, Carol, because um, coming up in the next few weeks, the Alzheimer's Association will host its uh, annual international conference, AAIC, and that will be a global look at, you know, I, I call it sort of a research brain dump of all of the best um, researchers, clinicians, and scientists from all over the world that will share all of their research together. And then usually I get so excited this time of year because out of that 
you'll see several studies pop into the news that'll come up. And there was a sleep study last year about, you know, the importance of sleep and how lack of sleep can, um, you know, increase your risk for Alzheimer's. So I'm always anxious to see what AAIC brings. Right. And that's, that's kind of the, you know, if you have more than one person uh, uh, working on something. So when all the scientists get together and compare notes in drug development for whatever reason, then they build off each other or what they thought was a one-off. If they see that someplace else, putting those threads together um, and, and realizing it's not just something that happened to you. There's a pattern here and seeing those patterns. You know, I had the the opportunity to go to some of the Alzheimer's conferences uh, sponsored by the NIH. And it was so fascinating because I'm not a scientist, but to hear the researchers talk about sort of a global network of information sharing it, that, that I think helped us during COVID. And, and the more we do it with Alzheimer's, the better for all of us. Totally agree. And, and just timeliness, because yesterday, the governor here in Florida talked about increased research dollars, too. So he asked for in his legislative budget request this year for more money towards research here in Florida. So you're seeing a commitment uh, worldwide. Certainly all the states are that um, getting on board. Florida has made a very strong commitment for research, but you're right. I think science breeds science and that pipeline is getting stronger. And certainly since you and I've been in the field, um, I've never seen a much more hopeful pipeline that I'm seeing now through research. So exciting stuff. So, so what happens next? We're, we're here, there's a new drug. Um, there's people who think it's, it's moving in the right direction. There are people that are concerned about the cause. There are people can just, you know, we've got lots of questions. So what's the next step? I heard conditional approval, the FDA is involved. What happens next? I mean, it's, it's a good question for right now that's a conditional approval, meaning that they could take away the approval for the drug at some point. So they're going to continue to, to do research and analyze data and look more into the clinical trials. Some people call it a phase four, if you will, which is a conditional approval. Um, and I think that'll be key. It's not um, unheard of or very unusual. It happens in the world of science to for the FDA to approve with conditions. Um, but I think it's, like I said, uh, invigorating. So what's next is we'll be uh, working hard in our advocacy efforts to ensure that a drug that's approved, you know, gets to people that uh, need the drug that are diagnosed with Alzheimer's and, and fit the profile for the drug. Um, my next hope personally um, and professionally is to to be talking about those first people, you know, uh, seeing them. So we've seen them through clinical trials, but to see somebody in the field be prescribed aducanumab um, and hopefully drugs to come after aducanumab. To your point, Carol, um, that that hope in science and that first success in a certain area uh, continues the discussion. And I think you're going to see other um, companies come to the market soon, I hope, um, with like drugs like aducanumab. Now, something you said, I want to come back to, Michelle, uh, because it uh, apparently is so true, whether we're talking about access to this drug or other treatment, early diagnosis Mm -hmm. can have a positive impact on uh, treating this disease down the road. Uh, why do people wait? Well, what is it that holds them back? Uh, they see problems, they see issues, they may be concerned. Often we self-diagnose or diagnose our loved one, but we don't see the experts. Why? 
Gosh, Ron, you know, I thought about that a lot um, in, in the past years I've been with the association. And we did a focus group. I think first and foremost, primary care providers were struggling with a diagnosis because um, it could be other things. So they had to sort of rule out other things first. And then it's a diagnosis that's so hard to talk about because it didn't have prevention, treatment, or cure. And clinicians so badly want to give a clinical response. And this didn't really, you know, have that type of clinical response. So I think um, first and foremost, you'd see a lot of primary care providers, which is where we go when we're scared, when we're afraid of our health or we're afraid for a loved one's health. The people we tend to trust the most is a primary care provider. So you go to a primary care and they might hand you a prescription for Aricept or Namenda and then check back with you and check back with you, um, which would bleed into years going undiagnosed. And I think the other on the other side, um, why wouldn't we seek a diagnosis? I think it's terrifying. I think um, when I talk to a lot of my constituents, the people that I work with daily, um, what is happening feels terrifying. And um, being so afraid now that we know what Alzheimer's is, um, thinking that it could be that. And that's sort of the thing we're worried about. Most people are more worried about that than they were about cancer. Um, and that, that, you know, especially when you get to be a certain age, that's what you start to really, really concern yourself with. So I think fear, stigma, um, and then, you know, a lack of ability to have a confident diagnosis by a primary care might, you know, send you into a couple of years of thinking it might be depression. It could be something else. It could be something else. Um, and I think early detecting, early diagnosing, early asking the right questions and having that baseline and checking in like we do with our other numbers, like cholesterol, we check in on our hearts, we, but we didn't check in on our brains the way that I think we should. I think doing that early on in the game, now you have a drug like aducanumab come in, which that could really be a game changer early on. But even if you didn't, we always promoted early detection, early diagnosis, because it gave the family time to plan and gave the person time to really be part of that plan. Um, and I think that was key because families responding in crisis tended to compound the problem tremendously. And, um, and then you would see caregivers getting ill and not taking care of themselves because it was, you know, uh, to Carol, I think too, what is such a burden and caregiving experience. It's so stressful. So I think diagnosing early gave the caregiver and the family time to, to build a plan. Well, um, if, if people want to find out more about this drug, if they want to do their research, is there information with the Alzheimer's Association? Yes, absolutely. So I always like to say to call the 24-7 helpline. We did that with my own family when my grandmother uh, was diagnosed, and that's 1-800-272-3900, and that's a 24-7 helpline. So anything from a crisis situation or you just have some questions because some things are happening and you need to make sense of that or just for caregiver resources. Um, I love that number, but ALZ.org, we have the world's largest repository of information there. So I think any and all questions I've ever had, um, there's access to it through that ALZ.org. Right. So very robust website. One more time. Um, 1-800-272-3900. And that's a man by dementia specialist. So like I said, if you're calling in crisis, you're going to have a dementia specialist able to answer that. And I think that's really key because a lot of people call when they're really struggling, they're really worried, they're really scared. Now, one of the things that uh, my PCP does, I'm a patient at uh, WellMed Medical Management, uh, they are increasing the number of the mini mental tests that they're 
uh, giving the patients. So I always practice drawing a clock face before I go in just to be sure I'm covered. Uh, and I count from 100 backwards to one as I'm walking into the office. And of course, that's never the question they ask you. Right, right. Uh, and I think, well, and I'm, I'm pleased to hear that too, Ron. I, I know it's a, I was, I watched a lot of those mini cog diagnostic tests and the MOCA diagnostic tests and you get, it's you get a little nervous um, even just watching yeah. it. I didn't even, I wasn't even taking the test. I was just watching the test. So, you know, there, I've gotten pretty fun, good at but, a clock face. Yeah. I can do a clock face in my sleep now. Good for you. Good. Good, good, good. Yeah, That's you. why they rotate thank the tests, Ron. That's why That's they rotate exactly. the tests. I know. I know. <laughs> let's hope they... Let's hope she doesn't listen to this show, my uh, right, that's my right. PCP. I was say that well, we got less than a catch on we have less that. than a minute left, Michelle. And in less than a minute, what's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave uh, with our listeners when we talk about Alzheimer's and uh, treatment? You're not alone. Um, there are so many. It seems like a, a scary disease that only you are facing, and it seems so strange and scary. You are not alone. There are so many people out there, and that support will be critical to you in in the weeks and months and years to come. So don't hesitate reaching out for it. And Carol, you probably echo that, right? Absolutely. Never go it alone. Well, thank you both. Really appreciate it, Michelle Branham with the Florida. Alzheimer's Association Vice President of Public Policy there. I'm Ron Aaron for Carol Zerniel. Thanks for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. We will talk with you soon. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.